Last week I was talking about foundations. We're talking about um, about growing up, and I'm in the road. And you you remember we we looked at this, and this week I better tell tell you what I've, the title of the sermon is. It's we're still exploring righteousness, but we're looking about foundations in the heart. You know. We we're talking about maturing as a Christian last week and there's, there's a number of things we're going to go through over the next little while that when you read this particular passage here in Hebrews, let's read it again. Here at the end of Hebrews it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You know, oracles means like sayings and words and prophecy of the writings of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he or she, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So this passage here, the writer to the Hebrews, is saying, you guys ought to be more mature than what you are. Um, if you keep reading through this passage, he's confident that they're, they're going to grow up and become more mature, that they're not going to fall away. But this gives to us this thing. You know, last week I put this up and went through all these points one by one, but this just gives the picture, the idea of we're meant to grow up. And we used here a, a bulb. I'm not even sure what type of plant that is, but it's growing out of a bulb. And last week we talked about that we've got bulbs in the lawn outside here and they, they just come up. It's amazing. And, um, and then this idea of growing up applies to many things in life. Of course it applies physically. Baby's born very small, very young, very helpless, very needy. And if it stayed that way for a long time, it would be a tragedy. Something would be very, very wrong if you had a, you know, a baby that was still a baby in 10 years or 20 years. Sometimes this happens to Christians. They just never grow up. They stay baby Christians, never mature. And it's not what the Lord intends. This idea of growing up or maturing, you know, it applies to learning. You know, you go to school, you start at prep, you go through, you don't go straight into year 12. Same thing with Christian maturity. It's just you start, but we're meant to grow up. Um, same with a job and experience you know, the more practice you have the better you get so I'm not going to preach what I preached last week again but this is the idea these ideas of progress apply to spiritual life we're not meant to stay the same we're meant to mature and so let us move on we talked last week about repentance and you know the idea of turning because if you're going to repent you know i walk this way i turn around and walk the other way that's repenting of turning that way it's a, it means there's a change in direction if there's no change well then there isn't any repentance um we talked last week a little bit about how inside of us we have like an autopilot where you know this, this is i'm talking about our sinful nature or our flesh you as a baby is born and you grow up in those environments, you don't have to teach a baby to do good things. It, I mean, 
to do bad things. You, you don't have to teach your baby to do bad things. You have to teach your baby to do good things because we are born with a sinful nature. And, yeah, and so this is why we need to grow up and mature. But we have this, like an autopilot, that the Lord has given to us an ability to, to reset it so that instead of us naturally being inclined towards things that are selfish, we can become inclined towards things that are godly, things that the Lord would want. Um, the Lord gives us power to say no. And, um, yeah. So a lot of the things that we do when, you know, we're living out of the flesh or out of the sinful nature, um, you know, they're oriented around, you know, what we do to make ourselves happy. You know, what we think might work. And sometimes we do things even to try and make ourselves acceptable. You'll, you'll notice one of the biggest issues that, that young people have, but this is true for, for older people, is that they will modify their behaviour so that they can, you know, they think, they can make themselves more acceptable. So they'll fit in, not be the odd person out. And sometimes we've, we try and tack this human way of thinking into our spiritual walk where we'll go, well, if I do this, 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 then, then maybe, maybe I, might, I might fit in better at church or fit in here or there. But that's not the type of maturity that the Lord's looking for. Um, just doing something for God because it's your idea and you think it might be a good idea is not, it's not really what the Lord's looking for. Especially if it comes down to the point of thinking, oh, well, if I, if I be good, then then that, that'll get me to heaven, you know. So quite often you'll talk to people, you say, you know, you know why, why would the Lord take you into heaven? And they'll say, oh, because I'm a good person, I haven't killed anybody or I haven't done... And they don't have the understanding that, that it's actually our faith and our yielding to Christ which is, is the key. And it's, it's actually having the Lord Jesus Christ come and dwell in us and walking with him and learning to love and walk that journey of relationship that's that's the part and you know we have power to live we have power to live now not only into the future anyway we'll get on to what we're actually going to talk about today this is the first two verses of Hebrews 6 the very next two verses after what we read before it says Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works. So we talked about last week, a foundation of repentance from dead works. See, some, you can be tempted to think that as a Christian, the point of being a Christian is, is to not sin. We talked about this. Is, you know, and there is some... Christians who think that that is the entire point of being a Christian is, is just so you don't sin and therefore you can go to heaven. But actually, as important as that is, because of course the Lord wants you know, us to do good things and we're meant to, um, but there's actually something a whole lot more wonderful on the other side of all of that. So, repentance, absolutely necessary. But the turning around and walking in the direction that God would want us to walk is the point is not just 
just the turning around, but it's, it's what you do when, because you turn around. And last week I used the illustration of, of a car. You know, like a very young child, very young child, I think I did this as a kid, you, know, you, you climb into the car and you get in the car and you play and you can't reach the pedals, but you, you're, you're playing, imagining that you're driving. And for that young child, that experience of playing in the car is the point. But when you mature, when you grow up and you jump in the car, getting in the car is not the point. You get in the car for a reason, to go somewhere and to do some things. Now you can enjoy the trip, you might enjoy driving, but it's getting in the car is not the point. There's a something that's beyond that. And this is what this passage is referring to. You know, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine and go on to mature, maturity. There's something beyond these things the Lord wants us to do and these things are truly valuable and they have to do with righteousness they have to do with the teachings of righteousness walking in righteousness Christ's righteous rule in our heart and Christ's righteous rule amongst the nations today we're going to talk a little bit here about this next little section which I've got highlighted there where it says you know not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. So here the writer to the Hebrews is saying that faith towards God is one of these elementary teachings which is foundational to the Christian faith that needs to be in place, super important, but, but when it's there, it facilitates something which is of a higher order, something that is, that is solid food, something that's like you can get your teeth into, something that's meaty. Yeah. And so, let's just explore this, just for a little bit. Faith in God. And you can see there, you know, I've got this little picture there with a, a house that's built on us, on the rock, and another house that's built on what looks like sand. Now, that comes from a Bible story, you know, an, an illustration that Jesus used, you know, about the man who built his house upon the rock, the wise man built his house upon the rock, the foolish man built his house upon the sand, a song about it you'd sing in Sunday school. Rosalind, you want to sing it for me? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rain came tumbling down. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. But the house on the rock stood firm. Guess what happened to the house on the sand? It washed away. It went plump. <laughs> it's a children's, you know, Sunday school song. Used to sing it. And so it's, we're talking about foundations. And the, the title of my message today, about foundations in the heart, Something that the Lord wants to put into our heart is, is this most basic and elementary thing that, that has to be there, otherwise Christianity is not there. Because you can't please God without faith. It's most basic, but super important. And in no way could we or should we ever diminish its value. That's why it's one of these elementary, foundational first up principles that we must learn but when it's there guess what it means we're meant to 
progress into things that are beyond things that are elementary, just like a child grows up. And so, let's think about these things at the very, very beginning. Like, a faith that leads to turning. We talked before about re- repentance. It's, it's almost like you've got, you know, this is a chicken or egg thing. Which, which one comes first? Not that it matters. But the thing is that you can't actually repent unless you start to believe something. And the very most, the most basic foundational thing is, is there realising that we need a saviour. Realising that we can't do it ourselves. This is, this is like one of the definitions of humility. Realising I cannot do this myself. I need help. I cannot save myself. Recognising that. Realising that. Coming to that place of humility... That means that you, this idea creeps in that Jesus is my saviour. If I turn from what I'm doing, repenting, responding to something I'm believing, that's faith, and I follow him, that is the answer. That's the very beginning. And this foundational principle written into the heart, God's word, faith in the heart, very important, it must be there. And the Lord puts it there. He wants it to be there. And it's, it's actually something that never, never loses its value. Because when you mature, you get to higher levels, more important things, more function, you still need this faith. This basic recognition that I need a saviour. I can't do it myself. It goes on and on. And this then flows into other things, like here I've got faith-determining choices. You've got your reasons. Choices. If you start to dig, dig into that, I often talk about this idea. You know, the only reason why you do something is because you believe something. And as a child, you think about a very small child. Jordan Peterson once talked about, you know, a, a, a toddler, you know, like a two-year-old, as being a, a narcissist, a complete and absolute narcissist. His, his ability to, to have empathy towards other people is not yet developed. Um, this is variable, you know, amongst children, of course, but generally, as a young child, the whole world is surrounded about their perception of the world and themselves, their needs, what they want, and, and they've got parents and carers and friends and to do things for them, and when they don't give what they want, the world might just blow up. And you have to teach the child. And what are you teaching the child? To, to, well, to, to learn that there's more about the world than just them. And as baby Christians, we have to grow up too, in a similar way. When you first come to, to, to Christ, it's not a perfect analogy, but as baby Christians, you realise... I'm learning something, there's a lot in this, a lot of healing for me, there's a lot of things the Lord wants to fix up in my life and, and you, you're, you're walking through it, but then you start to realise, the Lord has given me skills. Out of this healing that I'm receiving, I actually can be a blessing to others. And this developing maturity, these developing realisations, this, it's like the Lord's just lifting you up to a higher place, you're growing up, you start to realise... Well, 
my reasons, sometimes, well actually, there's the reasons of others that I need to consider. And then it goes into God's reasons for doing things. And so these, you've got these three little circles of, of reasons or, or areas of thought. And as you mature, you actually start to think about all of those three things at the same time. Whereas if you're really just a baby Christian, you'll probably spend most of your time just thinking about your own reasons, your own world, your own pain. But the Lord brings you through. And it's quite exciting. And then eventually, and it doesn't have to take years and years and years and years, because you can, you can actually mature quite quickly. But the thing about maturity is it actually does need a, se- a season of time for, for testing so that it's established. Because if, it's, if something's not tested, well, then you don't know if it's strong. You don't know if it's going to work. And so you can expect to have some seasons that are a little bit difficult or a lot difficult is the path of maturity. The Lord tests us. And of course then this becomes you know, faith in action. These ideas come from the book of James. James is very big on on actions. You know. Showing your faith by what we do. Now this has been an age old discussion for, for a very long time you know, because it's, it's, we're not saved by what we do. That's an absolute truth because the children of Israel tried to obey the law for centuries and could never do it, always fell short and it, you simply cannot make yourself acceptable to God by what you do. Our salvation comes by what we believe. Out of that belief, out of our faith in Christ, submission to Christ comes. We realise we need a saviour. We ask him to forgive our sins and we respond to him with repentance and relationship. And fellowship grows, we mature. But out of that faith comes things you believe which governs your choices, changes what you choose to do. Think about what God wants. Think about the reasoning. Start to understand things And now we have actions, behaviours flow, which actually present as an evidence of what you actually believe. Now you think about it, through actions, your faith can shine. Jesus said, you know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in another place, which I spoke about last week and quite a few times, that we actually are like you know, a light. The truth that we have, that the Lord has given to us, is like a light, and that light is not meant to be put underneath a bowl, but it's meant to be put on a stand so that everybody in the room benefits from it. You know, we, we shine. Um, we are instructed to be his witnesses. And so, if we as a people never did anything, then we're not shining like we should and we're not being a witness like we should and nothing builds. But 
In the same way that you, you build something, you start and then you keep building, and over time, with actions and with faith, something is created. Now these things are actually scriptural. I'll just read through three scriptures just to, to highlight those three points. It says in Acts chapter 3, verse 26, this was Peter was preaching after, after he healed the, the lame man at Gate Beautiful. He said, having raised up his servant, that's Jesus, he sent him to you first. He was talking to the Jewish people. And he's, that Jesus has been sent to us also. It says here, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. You see, this is something, that ability to turn is a blessing that the Lord has come. It's something that to actually have a heart that's, that's able to, to yield. We sung a song before about knees that would bow before the cross. That's, that's picture language that describes a yielding, a surrendering, a submission to Christ. Remember Amanda, I was going to say, this submission is a word that is deeply understood, deeply misunderstood. Submission is not about being inferior. Submission is not about having less value. Submission is, is more about positioning. Positioning your heart in a place where you, you're, you think of the word, submission. It's where you're submitting to somebody else's mission. You're submitting to the mission of Christ, to bend your knee before Christ. Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to become? Well, what are your plans for me? And God's plans for you are great. They're not inferior. God's plans for all of us, he's, he's, he's planned. He's written down and prepared good works for us to do from the foundation of the world. It's no small thing that he wants from us. Rather, it's, it's, it's wonderful. We're created in God's image. God is vast. You're all vast. How many rooms and apartments and places there are there in your heart? Your memories, your, your capabilities are huge. None of us live up to our potential. And we could all live up to so much more. And so it's not, being, being a submissive to God is not about being less. No, no, it's about being more. But, but the way you become more is, is we say, Lord, you are my saviour. Come, dwell in me, show me what I'm meant to become. Submission's a wonderful thing. That was a little side act. Another verse here, Philippians. This is Paul speaking. He's, he's talking about, you know, wanting to go on. He's, he's got this desire. He's preaching and he's writing here to the, to the Philippians. He says, not that I've already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. So here's Paul saying, there's something, there's a reason why Jesus made me his own. He's understanding it. And so I press on to get a hold of that reason, what it is that the Lord Jesus wants. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the 
upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see this? He's pressing on, forgetting what's behind, pressing on to what is ahead. What does he want? He wants the very thing for which Christ grabbed hold of him. So you, in, in my mind, I have this picture. The Lord Jesus grabs hold of Paul for a reason. And then Paul is wanting to grab hold of Jesus and then reach forward and grab hold of that very thing for which the Lord Jesus called him. To understand these things is a journey and it requires maturity. But you have to let go of the things that hold you back. This is this picture. It's like, you know, let this go so you can grab hold of this one. Striving. And then there's another verse. This last verse says, Let those of us who are mature think this way. Did you hear what I just said? This is what Paul said. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. So Paul here is linking the idea of maturity with this ability to understand and want to see what God has for you. Submitting to God's purpose, letting go of the things of the past, reaching forward. This is a wonderful thing. and The Lord enables us. And the thing about it is it's not a switch. You know, because your memories are involved. Your feelings are involved. Your beliefs. All these years of experience. And the Lord builds and changes. And it's wonderful how God can do this. And so this is how the Lord actually speaks into your choices. You know, your faith. Having that foundation of faith you know, starts to shift your reasons. You can see others and you see God's reasons and you think, oh, I really want that. And we're maturing. And then we talk about actions. In James chapter 2 it says, but some will say, I have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. In verse 22 verses later it says you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works so so you cannot fall into the trap of 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 just becoming do 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 and thinking that that's enough because you can fall into the trap of of doing things for your reasons rather than god's reasons and if you're doing things for your reasons and you're not considering others around about you and God's reasons, then you'll end up just doing without faith because you think it's a good idea. But then you can, you know, some folk go to a, another pendulum extreme and they go, well, because it's all based on faith, therefore I don't have to do anything. Well, that's not true either. Of course we have to do things because... Genuine faith will produce genuine actions. And I'm finished. The end of this relative brief. Because I opened this up and didn't set my, reset my PowerPoint, it says that I've been speaking for one hour and 50 minutes, which I haven't. I'm sure you're grateful for. Let me encourage you that faith moves mountains. And this is something that 
we go back to that verse right at the very start, it says that it is something we're going to move on. It's elementary. I'm going to have several goes at finishing. Are we but finished? Or? We are finished. Oh. But <laughs> oh, it's really cool. Stand up and... This is... <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> love... I love this, this, this idea. That, just the beauty of what God has done here. I will pray a prayer. Because it has application not only to our hearts, it has applications to a town. So, Father, I do ask, that you would, just like the scriptures describe, just like here the writer to the Hebrews is describing those, or those Hebrew Christians who were struggling with, Lord, with difficult times, Lord, persecution breaking out, Lord, Lord so many cultural pressures. Lord, I, I ask indeed that you would encourage, Lord, our hearts. And Father, this town, and Lord, localities around this region, Lord, would your mercy be towards them? We are believing, I am believing for a shift in culture, that the gospel would prosper. And indeed, you would raise your church up to maturity. And Father, your church is made up of many, many people who come together as one in Christ Jesus. So Lord, would you make us all as individuals strong, and then make us strong together. And somehow, Lord, you can do this all at the same time. So, Father, this is my prayer. And Lord, would you cause your church, your people to grow? Well, that means, Lord, people coming to know you and walking with you and trusting you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.